Right guys, welcome to the seventh episode of Below the Bar. In this episode, expect to find out what happens at a Royal Marines pass out parade, why we have beef with the carnivore diet, and how to negotiate with a crackhead in a nightclub. Let's get into it. And we're back in. After a big weekend, this is fresh off the press. Yeah. So we're going to cover the weekend we just had, basically celebrating some stuff. So we're going to deconstruct it from Friday all the way to Sunday because carnage ensued all the way through. Pretty yes. Much. So where have we been, Chef? So we started down in Limpston. Yeah. So yeah. we've we've been down in Limpston near Exeter for our mate's pass out weekend. Yeah. So he's now. He's now one of the Brotherhood. So he's now in the core. <laughs> and we basically got the nod to go and celebrate it with him. So Yeah, so that was sh- shout out Al, cheers for inviting us. Yeah, that was uh, an honour to be fair. Part of, basically his immediate family. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically his immediate family and then us two hats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we got an invite uh, as part of his entourage to go to his pass out, which was really cool. We got to sit in the in the stands and watch everything, and we'll go through kind of what happened during that day. Um, if anyone's interested, what happens, you know, during a pass out uh, parade in the in the Marines, and then um, the subsequent drama that followed. Yeah, it's probably going to be quite a lot of loose dits in this yeah. episode. So strapping. If you are of a nervous disposition, get out now. <laughs> but before then, we have to cover weekly segments of Helmet of the Week. Oh yes, and, really. and we've got a corker this week. Yeah. The uh, disdain I feel for these particular individuals is palpable. Well, he's, he's polluted your algorithm quite, quite it, it, heavily, he has. hasn't he? What, see, what TikTok hasn't understood there is just because I'm watching his content doesn't mean I'm enjoying his content. <laughs> it's like it's like a car crash I can't look away from. Yeah, it literally is. Every every Everything you send me now is this bloke. Yeah. Oh, what's, and he sent me this insightful video. No, it's, it's, another, it's another one of him calling someone a hat. Yeah, so the helmet of the week this week is people that preach the carnivore diet online yeah so if you don't know what the carnivore diet is you're probably not missing out on much right so it's basically just meat yeah so you basically only eat meat eggs and raw milk yeah so or, it's like, or products derived derived literally immediately from an animal without being processed so it's like ultra keto basically yeah because so it's Ultra low carb or no carb, it's protein and fat. It's all you eat. So you have zero carbohydrate in your diet and also zero micronutrients. Yeah, zero micronutrients, zero balance, yeah. zero variety, and zero fucking longevity in your own existence. And zero chat. Yeah, and zero chat. So the, the one particular individual that caught my eye describes himself as the carnivore coach on TikTok. Yeah. I, I call him the carnivore cunt. Yeah. Anyone who has that in their in their handle and gets business is, is worried. Yeah. So the, the the one particular video, the one particular TikTok that really cemented his position of helmet of the week. It got him over the line. Was the fact that he was encouraging people not only to do the carnivore diet, but then when they're out and about and they can't prepare food at home, that they go to McDonald's and just order ten plain beef patties. Yeah. So no no bun, no cheese, yeah, no sauce. So you literally get the driest part of the burger, which is processed yeah. anyway. But the fact that anyone that describes themselves as a fitness coach is encouraging people to go to McDonald's anyway is worrying. Like well, you can deconstruct that in of itself. That's true, but but also that's not 
that's not balance, is it? No. Like, you're just taking it to the nth degree. You're just going far too down, far too down the, the nose rabbit hole. So, the success of any diet basically lies on whether it's sustainable in the long term, and whether whether there's actual any balance there. Yeah. And he's well, not he's not hitting any of those criteria. No. So the two things you want to do, like you said, adherence. So someone's got to stick to it, basically. Yeah. Otherwise, it's fucking useless. And it's got to essentially be self-sustaining in that it's got to have everything you need in it. So you haven't you haven't got to have any supplements to, to sort of backfill that. Which, if you're going to be healthy and well-rounded on a carnivore diet, you have to have because you're not by definition having any vegetables or any fruit. Yeah. So you're you're leaving a massive hole that you have to then fill with supplements, which he probably doesn't even do. So he's going to get scurvy. Well, I, I just don't understand how people can claim. That A, that they feel good, B, that this carnivore diet is healthy, because eating that amount of red meat is not good for you. Your colon hates you. Yeah, it's it's just not There's not n- no dietary fibre there whatsoever. No, and the, the other thing you sent me, actually, that, which caught my eye and annoyed me, was when he's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm having a cheat day today <laughs> on, on the carnivore diet. Right? He's a cheat. Yeah. He's a fucking charlatan. And he pre- proceeds to have, like... Carnivore ice cream, which I imagine is just like whole cream, whatever. Yeah, it will, it will just be like full fat whole cream. Yeah, they're ba- they're basically not have sugar. Yeah, so. they're basically just milked it out of the cow and let it ferment. Yeah, which sounds goppy. <laughs> uh, and then he had that pizza thing. So if you don't, if you don't know how he makes a pizza. Rather than having normal dough like a fucking normal human being, he what did he do? Fried chicken or something? Yeah. So he's gone for the psychopath option here. What he's done is he's. He's boiled, isn't he? Boiled chicken, shredded it, yes, and then kind of merged it together with egg, didn't he? Yeah, he's he's, bo- he's binded it with egg, yeah, and then kind of mu- it mushed, the mushed it into a dough, yeah. inverted commas, yeah, and then baked it. He, then, he's got the same trick with bread as well. Do you want to do you want to reveal do you want to reveal his bread trick? That was ridiculous, right? So in the effort to not eat bread or any carbohydrates, he's made bread, right. Out of ground meat. Right, yeah. So what you've done there is you've just ate meat. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not bread. And he's actually spreading fucking butter. And, on, and, on also, bread. and also, right, if bread is the enemy here, why is he trying so hard to also then make bread and eat it? Yeah, ridiculous. Um, I, I can't get on board with anything like that. It's a bit like when vegans have meat replacement stuff it's like well, yeah. right you don't want it so, so don't have or, it. <laughs> or like when a lesbian uses a dildo like, <laughs> like, yeah like, do, you, do you want coffee you don't want yeah. coffee do you want carbs or you don't want carbs yeah exactly <laughs> it's, it's the same thing it's exactly the same so he's basically stooped to the level of um, of hat in, yeah he's a hat if so. fact well, we need to establish some ground rules with Helmet of the Week because it's evolved as a segment <laughs> If you were a real helmet, you actually you actually gain hat status. Yeah, yeah, you have to go which quite is, far for that. Which is like tenth prestige helmet. But he's achieved that. He's got, <laughs> he's got like he's got like four hundred days play time as a helmet. Yeah, he has. Helmet. His KD ratio is like <laughs> nuke boosting levels. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a uh, he's tenth prestige seventy. Yeah. Um, no, but that that is just ridiculous from a from a balance standpoint. Obviously, there's none there. Um, he's from what I can tell, like like a normal healthy individual doesn't need this for like a special anti-inflammatory diet that you've been put on by a doctor or whatever which does exist that is a thing um where it can be sort of so whatever um ailment you might have can be exacerbated by consumption of carbohydrates and 
a, diet, a doctor can put you on a, a carnivore diet effectively um, but they will give you supplements to backfill that he's just gone he's, he's just seen someone talk about it and then taken essentially his entire personality and wrapped it round in, into eating meat yeah Brilliant. so like, as you said as a coach I can't get behind that no. because that that just completely counteracts a lot of my principles equally as a human I can't get on board with that because he just looks like a boring hat yeah and so Something I, I hate that coaches do, we actually touched on this in the gym today, is when they have their own ideologies and way, ways of doing things and then they force that on their clients. Yeah. And his, his name, the carnivore coach, would say to me that everyone who comes under his fucking guidance is now on the carnivore diet. Because yeah. Because it's worked for him, don't know how, but it works for him, so it must work for everyone else. It's just like, I used to do a lot of CrossFit I used to have clients who are 50 years old. Did I make the new CrossFit? No. No. Because it's Cause not that, conducive with their goals. Yeah, yeah. And it's also not optimal for them. Yeah. Like, exactly. It, it's not a one size fits all policy with fitness. Yeah. So which is not, like rule number one of being a PT. You're not a coach if you just repackage your own diet and fucking workout plan and give it to every single client. Yeah. What you are is a plagiarizer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. So that's that's another that's another reason why. So he's called he made it. the Carnivore Coach on TikTok. If you want to check out his content, I wouldn't, but there you go. It's yeah, up to yeah. you. And do so, but then then report him. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's helmet of the week squared away, yes. or hat of the week, should yeah, we say? Yeah, he's he, elated himself. He's well, we should celebrate him really because he's the the first person to achieve hat status on below the bar. Yeah, he's he's been polluting his algorithm for about a week now, so you can see <laughs> it's sort of built up. You know. Uh, so that's enough of that. Yeah, we'll leave him in the dust. Uh, let's now talk about something positive. Yeah, some, bring, bring, bring the energy back. Let's in. let's celebrate some people that deserve celebrating. Yes, let's do so. So am I Al? Mm. He's now a marine. He is marine, fully, fully fledged. Marine Craig. Fully fledged. As, uh, as we were saying, we got the nod to go down to Limpston. Not just because of the podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we actually got VIP guests. Yeah. The Royal Marines reached out to us and asked us to come down. It'd be great if you give a live podcast in front of the lads. But, um, yeah, so he, he, he sort of invited us down. Um, we managed to you, you managed to get the day off work, which is great. And so we went down the day before, Thursday night. Um, weren't quite sure what to wear. Because I've obviously got experience of going to a couple of these. I went to one as a spectator and one as a participant. But both times I was in uniform, so I didn't have to worry about my own attire. Yeah. But this time I was coming in civilian clothing because I'm not a hat, um, and I didn't really know what level of smart to go. And I'm obviously completely in the dark. Yeah, yeah. It's all completely new to me. Yeah. So and, we were and, both. And our mate's pretty fucking useless in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what should we wear? I don't, I don't think it's that formal. You sound. So we were gonna just rock up in like jeans and a shirt. And I'm fucking glad we didn't because yeah. we look like knobheads. I know. So. We actually, we actually ended up going in suit trousers, uh, a shirt and a tie. So like formal, but not a, a full suit. Everyone else there was in like dresses and, sh- and full suits. Yeah. And we were, to be fair, we could have gone full suits, but it was actually a fucking scorching day. Yeah. So we got, we kind of dodged a bullet there. Jacket would have been off anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so we went down. We got You have to be at Limpston for like 8am uh, and you met by... The provost, aren't you, at the top of yeah. the top of well, camp? Well, should, is... should we backtrack a sec for anyone that's not in the know? Yeah. So, what is pass out? Okay. Hold. So, um, yeah, pass out is, is it's kind of a weird term, isn't it? Because it doesn't really get used in any other graduation setting. No, so. and I feel like we fall foul of this. Yeah. Having spoken probably. to, like, 
our mates over the weekend to explain what we're doing and they're, it looks lost on them. Yeah, exactly. So if you imagine a, a, a graduation for, for a university, it's the best way to describe it. So you've done loads of work, you've done three years of university, you then it culminates in one big day where you get your award, right? Yeah, that's a good analogy. Yeah, so the same thing. Uh, you've done nine to ten months of Royal Marines training. It all culminates in this final week, which is King Squad week, where you pretty much just focus. Your only, your only focus is getting a parade ready to go and show your family and friends how fucking hoofing you are, basically. Yeah, um, and this came about during the reign of King George the Sixth, which is why it's called King Squad. Yeah, yeah. So it was in nineteen thirty, late nineteen thirties. Uh, he came down to where the Marines were training then, which I don't think was Limston. Um, looked around the camp. Obviously, he was mega impressed. He was like, "Okay, this is class. I want to give the name of King Squad to the most senior troop on camp." Uh, and just a side th- side note, he also gave the name of King's Badgeman to the best recruit in that troop. Should they be worthy of it? Oh, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, um, yeah. So essentially, you've done your nine months, ten months of training. You then it culminates on this one day, which is your pass out parade. So. Uh, We'll go through a little bit of, of how the day sort of panned out. But essentially, you've already been given your beret at the end of the 30-miler. So you're already a Marine, effectively. You've now just got to do the formalities and get it given to you in a in a, in a formal sense, an official sense. Yeah. And after that day, you're no longer a recruit. You're now referred to for the first time as Marine, which is yeah, quite cool. because you're a trained rank. Yeah. And you're not, you're not a hat on camp anymore. Yeah. Uh, so... Should we cover the structure of the day first? Mm. So we rocked yeah. up at Limpston for about eight, eight yeah. a.m. Nice and early, yeah. lovely day. It was lovely. great vibes. Class. Uh, first order of proceedings was the green lid presentation, wasn't it? Yeah, that's the first thing. That was at nine. So you get you get taken to like a function room. Uh, you're sort of milling about, having tea and coffee. Uh, I believe it's called. What's it called? The bar? Jolly's Bar. Yeah. Yeah, it's called Jolly's Bar. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it's just it's not a, a bar. tea room, mate. Well, it's, it's not a greasy spoon. It's a function yeah. room. It's, it's a formality. You know, you've got to, you've got to wrap it up in ceremony. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that's next door to Falklands Hall, which is where you get given your green beret. So at 9am 9, 9 sharp, you go into Falklands Hall, um, you sort of... You, you Then the festivities begin, essentially. So you're introduced to... Um, the VIPs, the training team that have taken the lads through all the way through training. Yeah. You're then given a little, like spun a little story by the most senior officer on camp. So they come down to give a little, you know, introduction as, as to what your lad or whatever's been doing um, over the last nine months. Because you won't have seen them much or heard about, about it. So it's nice to get some context as to how, how much they've been through. You'll be shown a video. Um, and yeah, they'll they'll sort of just talk you through what they've been through, and then the VIPs will come in. They'll introduce who who they are, who each of those are, which is cool. Um, and they come come to sort of mark the occasion. They're always always different yeah, people. Yeah, fucking. It's, let's to be fair, they know how to put on a good ceremony, don't they? Yeah, they do. Well, they've been doing it for set, what eighty ninety years. Yeah, they've they've got it squared away. Yeah, fair to say. It. And like that that ceremony itself lasts about an hour, doesn't it? Yeah, it so doesn't feel like that. Uh, clicks by, doesn't it? So you, you do that and then the lads, so there's a big curtain, the lads are assembled behind the curtain and they get unveiled in their smart love. It's the first time you've seen your son, whatever, for ages. Um, like and a then, combat boy band, isn't it? Yeah, they're it all is. fuck, they're unveiled like a fucking prize on a quiz show. They literally are. And, then, and they're all in their 
black or dark blue berets at that point and then as they come through one by one they'll get called up uh, the um, troop commander would have given a little one liner to describe them which is quite funny isn't it? Like, that was good Like he, he could quite plausibly start a career as a stamp comedian yeah that was brilliant and, and, and this will happen every single time as well so every, yeah. every, every lad obviously they know them intimately they've been their troop boss for nine months so anything that's pertinent to that, that lad and takes the piss out of them a little bit take the edge off they'll read that out and they'll be like uh, and then they'll come round get their shake their hand get the green lid um, and then they'll put that on their head they'll take for the first time their recruit lid off and put their green lid on go march around back in the back in the rank as a marine which is I'll sick tell you the thing about that ceremony as well when they were giving the shout outs to the friends and family Oh yeah, so like, I didn't expect that. So like Sick. the youngest member of the audience got a shout out, the oldest member yeah. of the audience got a shout out, the furthest travelled. So that's just a nice touch because then it gives a bit back to the friends and family, doesn't it? You know, yeah, yeah exactly. it shows a bit of appreciation on their end. Yeah, and they gave a shout out to any serving or ex-military that were in the audience, which is obviously a common thing because it it tends to run in the family, doesn't it? You know. Yeah, that was a nice touch. Yeah, you got called out being a Walter Mitty. Yeah, that was, yeah, that, was that was good. Then, that you was got, then you got barred from the <laughs> yeah, from then, then they got kicked off camp. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, you're that hat. Um, yeah, so he they they all get given their green beret, and then we're told like in half an hour to be at the parade square, which is where the main event happens. Um, and then yeah, you go and sit down, don't you, and, and just wait for them to come out which is class yeah and so yeah so this is now moving on to the second part of the the second big part of the day which is effectively like drill isn't mm. it really they yeah, so they put on like a techie like drill sequence for you yeah so the band will come out it's all marked by the band the band will come and do a show um whilst the lads get inspected apparently it's not an inspection it's just the the vip or one of them will go up to each individual lad and say you know have you found training? Um, what are you, where are you going after this? Oh, well done, well done. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, that that did get a bit tedious, but then they saved it with the actual show. Yeah, it takes a while for them to go up to every lad, and that was a big troop, so it took ages. Um, and then, once that's all finished, the drill instructor will then take them for the parade, the, the sort of sequence that they've been working on all week. It tends to be continuous, silent drill, which is quite cool. So, It'll be the command the the drill instructor will, will say yeah, um, commence silent drill or whatever his command is, and then he won't say anything for probably about five minutes, and they'll just march around doing doing marching drill, doing static drill at halt with with the weapons, mega techie stuff all in time without any commands, which is pretty sick, and that's yeah. what you've been practicing all the time, and it's it's in it's in keeping with the time of the band who are playing it. A song. What was their song? Altos was the song. Do you remember? Oh, it was a. Uh, it rugby. was the Rugby World Cup Union anthem. <laughs> Got what it's called. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but yeah, if you're a rugby nose, you'll know what it is. The band can play pretty much fucking anything. So the drill instructor and the and the troop will together will come up with a a tune they want, and the band will just play. Oh, it. that's going to annoy me. I'm going to fall because they're class. Um. So yeah, you'll do. They'll do their arms drill at the halt routine. That'll all be really good, really impressive. And then they'll reconvene, they'll get back into their, their kind of formation from before. Um, and they do a couple of other ceremonial bits where the vicar reads stuff out. The Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that. Yeah, one, that the admiral, admiral will read loads of shit out. Um, so top brass, basically, in the, in, the, in the Navy will go and give them 
about a pat, pat on their back basically yeah for, for what they've done and again that this lasts about an hour doesn't it yeah it, it's really good though I mean it's so impressive to see especially I, if like I know what's gone into it so, and I know how yeah. difficult it is so it's um, so I, I'm not normally one for kind of like march marching ceremony drill that nah. kind of stuff but just being there live like given that the marine band were parked right next to us it was it was good yeah it was it was really good um, it was world, world in union World in Union, there you go. Yeah, so that was that was um, kind of cool to see. And then the final bit, which is quite cool, is this is like the momentous occasion that everyone's been waiting for. The Adj or the Admirable, Admiral, Admirable, Admirable, one of one of Hello, Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, uh, we'll stand in front of the lads and it will say, Royal Marines to your duties, quick march. And that's when you you march and you go and march off camp uh, as a recruit, and then you turn around and come back onto camp as a marine. Yeah, uh, and it's, that's like the big, the big change. You know, and basically the, everyone lines the street, the main in, drag, the main drag in Limpston, and uh, claps them in. Mm. Basically, don't they? And that's cool. And that's not just the friends and family, the like lads who are on Limpston, like troops will come. Uh, so the so the main drag's pretty much packed out. Um, yeah, people just like fuck their detail off, don't they? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> um, just like a quick lunch break. Yeah. <laughs> and then they, yeah, they give them a round of applause as they go through um, and they march straight down and round to their accommodation. They'll square themselves away where they get rid of weapons and all that sort of stuff. And then we were waiting in the same Jolly's bar as we were before uh, for them to come back. And that's when like the formal side's over and the lads can just let their hair down, um, have a few beers in their in their blues, yeah. enjoy themselves a bit. But that's that's basically when their weekend starts. Isn't well, it, it is their finished work then. Yeah. yeah. So they're they're essentially at work for the for the whole morning because they've got to put on a show, and then after that they they can celebrate. That that's when we started drinking. Yeah. And I, I didn't stop drinking for another about forty eight hours. Another forty eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the last time I was sober. Um, so yeah, we. Uh, do you want to take it from there? Yeah, so that's the end of formalities, really, at Limpston. Uh, if I would, before we move on to what what become a a weekend of debauchery, yeah. do you want to do you want to just great word that sh- share your feelings on your your momentous return to Limpston? <laughs> yeah, so this is um well, so how many years has it been since you've been since I've been on that camp or since yeah. I was in training? No, since you were last at Limpston. Okay, so about six and a half, I think. Since. I- since I was actually on the camp doing stuff, yeah, about six and a half. Right, so that's um, a long time. It is a long time. Uh, I've been there on the like fields to, to do football, but I've, I've not really been on the camp for ages. Uh, it was strange to go back, to be honest, because it, it's somewhere you spent so much time and have so much buried memory of. <laughs> yeah, um, psychological trauma. Yeah, exactly. So when you go back, it, it all gets like brought up and you can see... You see the troops running around. You see the the recruit troops going around doing their thing, and you you remember when you were in that uh, that yeah. role. You know, you remember you were at the back of that stack, and you you, you were flapping your tits off. Uh, and now was, you're coming back as a as a civilian. So. I was gonna say it must be weird coming back from coming back as a civilian. Obviously, in a much in a very different headspace for a very wholesome day, mm. very much a celebration. Having obviously like like you said, spent nine ten months there. Like properly digging out, yeah, shitting myself every day. Yeah, um, so that must have been a bit of a roller coaster of emotions. Yeah, it was. To be fair, it was a, it was a little bit weird. Um, and again, like you said, it's the first time I've been back as a civilian. And I said to you, I was like, 
you know, walking around, my hands in my pockets and that, and just like shit myself. Someone was going to pop out and, and have a go at me. Yeah. Um, which happens when you're so when you're there in uniform as a marine, you're still held to a high standard. So you still, you know, everyone's still going to gob off at you if you're if you're doing something wrong. If you're there as a civilian doing something that you shouldn't be doing it as a marine, then no one really bats an eyelid. But in my mind, they do. You know, so if I'm late for that parade, I think I'm getting thrashed. If I'm caught getting with my hands in my pockets drinking a coffee on the main drag. I think I'm getting thrashed. So, because yeah. it, it, it's just so etched in there with the the kind of relation to that place, because I'm back at that place in a training setting um, in the same kind of environment. My headspace goes back to how it was when I was a, when I was a recruit. Uh, because, like you say, I'm in, like it's an imbalance in terms of how much time I spent there as a train rank to how much time I spent there as a, as a recruit. So, that just dominates. Yeah. But it was weird for me to go there mm. as a civilian for the first time because obviously I've heard a lot about the place for years from you and then other mates that we've got there yeah. in the core. So it's almost got this kind of like mythical status yeah, in yeah, my yeah. own mind. A bit. But then having been there now and had like such a good day, you know, celebrating Al's pass out, I will only ever associate it with those like fond memories almost. Whereas most people's memories of that place pretty fucking arduous yeah absolutely I, I, it's quite funny we were stood o- overlooking the bottom field yeah which is basically where people just get thrashed yeah which is horrific <laughs> like the theatre of screams basically yeah um, and I was itching to go and have a go but like you know transport me back seven years I couldn't think of anything worse you start twitching yeah like, oh, even even when I was in the core if you just sent me on bottom field I'd have been, I'd been fuming it's only because I'm so far, well, I guess so far removed now that I would like to go and have a have a little crack at it and see, see how I got on. But I was telling you, our um, our boss when I was in training said, like, sat us down before bottom field um, pass out and was like, lads, you know, that you know, I know you'd be, you'd be on bottom field all week this week and you'd be fucking sick of it. But believe me, in a few years' time, when you come back down here for whatever reason, you'll look at that bottom field and you think, oh, I wish I could go and have a sesh down there. Uh, and I was kind of like, well, at the time, I was like, fuck off no chance and he was fucking right and he was right it turns out so um, every, I think everyone does it in every walk of life uh, where you know you take your current um, circumstances for granted or whatever it is but if you're in training or you're in the core you get afforded such unique opportunity um, and a lot of time you just spend dripping about it or complaining about it yeah there's a lot of like sapuccinos in the core isn't there Yeah, people that like Moaning for the sake of moaning. Hundred percent. It's, it's, it's almost British part. Trait. It's almost like part of the culture of it, though, isn't it? Absolutely. Yes. Got to get it off your chest. So you were with me when I caught up with a lot of my mates, and yeah. how much of the conversation was them just dripping out the door? Yeah. This was another. This became another common theme of the day. Shep getting recognised on fucking camp <laughs> by everyone and everyone. Yeah, that was. Uh, it was I was quite surprised at how many, how many people actually were there that I knew. Um, so you bumped into a lot of lads that you used to work with, mm. which was nice. But then you also got. You also got recognised by quite a lot of people that I didn't know that you didn't know for like I don't know because they bought like your fitness program yeah, yeah so which meant- was which was fucking weird for me because it was like I was walking around with bastards like James Smith or something. It was weird for me because I've been recognised <laughs> before in like Birmingham on a night out by like one person in a night, but to- <laughs> yeah, but you went to like the epicentre of your like no exactly. demographic, didn't you? Exactly. Like you went so- to you went to Ground Zero. <laughs> yeah, so. Walking around there, like I don't know, twenty people stopped me or whatever, um, and were telling me 
objectively that they followed my fitness program that got them to where they were where they were today. So it was a mega cool thing to kind of see yeah. in in the flesh, like the social proof. Because that time when you do stuff online, and you know you put content out or whatever it is, you put like a program on on a, on a website. People might buy it and you get loads of sales, but you don't really think about where that's going or think about anything anything around that. So when I released the military program, someone has bought it, managed to stick to it all the way through without any input from me, then managed to join the core and pass in the entire process without, um, without obviously getting injured or whatever, which is just mega cool for me to see the um, the proof of, of what I'm doing is half decent <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Well, it was nice to see to be fair yeah it was just very strange like you say it was just not something it's, I'm not used to it's just, a bit, just a bit surreal isn't yeah, it yeah it is a bit strange but most of the people I met to be fair were old colleagues of mine because um, I've, I've been to a couple of different units and it seems that the point in which I would be at my career, in my career now is like where a lot of people are brought back to Limpston to, in a training capacity, capacity. so or or in a court on a course or something like that, so it seemed to be a lot of people who were there. Um, I kind of knew from from work, which was also quite cool because I hadn't seen them in ages. No, yeah, so we, you were chewing the area off for a bit. Mm. It's about it's about one one two o'clock now in the afternoon, isn't it? Yeah, and we made the executive decision to leave Limpston. We did to square ourselves away at the hotel for a bit before what I will term the evening send. <laughs> yeah, so we just parked ourselves in the hotel, didn't we, for a little bit? Yeah, just to just to recoup. Quite a knackering day, to be fair. It's about three o'clock when we left, but it's eight till three. A lot of emotion, you know, a lot going on. Quite a long day. It, yeah, it's I all had a beer. It, it's all new to you. Yeah. So like, it's a lot of different. You know, it's almost like an assault on the senses, isn't it? Yeah, it is a little bit. Um, certainly for you because you've never been there. So it, we we were kind of a bit zonked out, but then we had to re we had to replen a bit of energy for the for the evening. Yeah, we had to pull our shit out the fire basically. We knew it was going to be a vegan, so uh, yeah. So we went for then we went for a meal with the lad who passed out and his whole extended family. Immediate family. We parked ourselves on the end of the table yeah, yeah. Uh, and just got wine drunk, basically. basically yeah. <laughs> got ploughed with uh, that, white and red wine. That's how you can summarise that. Which was fantastic. So the, the place that we went to in Exmouth was called The Chronicle, yeah. which has got banging food, by the way. If you're ever in Exmouth, go and eat there. Unreal. And, Unreal and good food. wine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think so, anyway. Yeah, I think so. The food might not have been good either. That, that also could have been the wine. <laughs> True. But uh, I mean, if you had a bottle of wine, it's good food. But that restaurant was next to where, like, the lads get taken for their like piss up yeah. at the end of training. Yeah. So for obvious reasons, I can't say too much about this. Yeah. Uh, legitimately. Can we, but, can we disclose the location? Um. Yeah. I well, guess. if they're that keen to know, they can just see which pub's next door to the Chronicle. Yeah, that's I've, true. I've, <laughs> yeah. So it's called a place called the Pilot, and uh, so we're walking up to this Chronicle restaurant, and our mate was like. Oh, fucking hell, that's where we had our pass out, just up there, in that pub next door. And I was like, right, that's where I had mine fucking seven years ago in, in that pub, exactly exactly the same. So it must be every uh, every troop has the, the pass out, the piss up in the same exact pub, which is pretty mental. And the purpose of this piss up is that's kind of like the first time you go for a drink with like your training team, isn't it? Yeah, Basically. so that's the first time like the walls come down, because um, initially... Obviously, it's it's very much a professional relationship, and not even that really, because they're so far your senior in in your eyes and in their eyes. Um, but as you progress through training and you gain more respect from them, uh, and certainly as you get through the commando test, obviously, and then you get your green lead, that you're now not their equal because they're still above you, but 
um, your kind of colleagues now. It's like a mark of respect, isn't it? Like you've earned, yeah, you've earned this drink basically. Yeah, for the first time, and you go and get absolutely fucking rat arsed yeah. with your training <laughs> and, and a lot more happens but yeah. uh, so we can't really disclose that yeah. I've, you've obviously told me off camera what, what goes down yeah. and it, it's not it's not it's not PC yeah. even by the standards of this podcast so what you want to do if, if you're interested in what happens is join training <laughs> spend about nine months there and then you'll find out first, yeah, well first do, hand but you got, go to your local career office <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, but yeah that's pretty mad that, that seven years down the line it's still the same place so that place must be just be the fucking that was not it was snaggy that, bar that was like a nice bit of closure for you mm. it was the last the last bit of uh, nostalgia yeah and then obviously at this at this point now we're drunk so yeah. and the, and this is where the night starts to fall apart. <laughs> so, we then go from Exmouth to Exeter, which is about half an hour taxi drive. Yeah, that taxi drive was fucking mental. Took forever. Drove us back past Limpston. Mm. Uh, PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> Our mate is with us. Ali's with us at this point. He's arguably even more pissed than us. Yeah, he always is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, that, that that's a common thing. Yeah. Didn't even notice. We, we make it to Exeter... And he realises that he basically only has his military ID. Bear, bear in mind, it's a half an hour drive. And he knows full well that your military ID is basically fucking useless. It doesn't get you anywhere in Exeter, yeah. as we've established on the podcast before. In fact, if anything, it would get you in less places than you've had no ID. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> which is fucking hilarious. So what we did was quickly, not, not wanting to babysit anyone that night, <laughs> we, we spun him round and went, right out. There you go, back, back you go. He literally, he literally did a 360 on the spot and was firmly parked in a taxi on his way back to Exmouth. Yeah, we made sure he had enough money, don't worry about it. We didn't see him off. Um, but yeah, he was too fucked to be out anyway, really. He was fucking Yeah. Gamble. So now we're on a two-man session yeah. in Exeter. And as we said, this Exeter send has been on the cards for a long time. Because we, we discussed it in Lifting the Lid. We did. You obviously used to frequent the bars of Exeter a lot during training. Yeah. Indeed. I've heard a lot about Exeter, not just from you, but like I know a few people that went down to Exeter Uni there, so yeah. they've got the student perspective. I've heard a lot of a lot of good things, and I'll be honest, didn't really deliver. Nah, it didn't. So the first thing we tried to do was go to Vault, which is a gay club. Yeah, and as you said, we're big advocates of gay clubs. Yeah, exactly. Well, very much a friend of the gay club community. Yeah, apart from when we don't get in. Yeah, and we took another L. Not not because we weren't gay enough this time, though. Yeah, that's true. Because we got accused of being military. Yeah, so the bloke was like, um, oh, I can't let you in, lads, because they, they, uh, the staff and the manager think you're military. And he's being mega nice about it, right? But I was like, okay, look at your surroundings here, mate. I said, he, he's got a fucking beard. <laughs> Bear in mind, I've got a full beard. Yeah, unless, unless he's just finished on a Friday morning at 11 o'clock and then grown that in seven hours, then... He's fucking not a, yeah. not in the military. Yeah, put two and two together. I'm certainly not in the in the Marines. Yeah, and I had my veterans card on his, on me, so I was like, right, this literally proves I'm no longer in the military. Yeah, you came clean and you were like, look, I used to be in the Corps. Yeah. Not anymore. Got your card out and like, this literally proves I'm like no longer serving. Yeah, and their, their beef anyway was with new recruits coming down and being like Larry. And I was like, right, well, we're the furthest away from new recruits as you can yeah. get. And they're like, no, no. Manager's not having it. You know, it's like when when you get a bouncer that's like said no. It's yeah, like you're not you're not you're not going to convince them otherwise. And no, it's so like at this point, obviously, it's just the two of us. So we're not being Larry in the queue. No. We're literally just talking like this. Yeah. So we took another rail. Um, but fear not, because we didn't we didn't call it a night. Yeah. We, Un, we didn't undi- stop there. Undeterred, we ploughed on. Yeah. 
showing the commando values. Um, so, so we. Uh, so then we went to revs, didn't we? Yeah, that was pretty dead. Which is revs is fucking. I don't know if it's just X to revs because I've been to a few shit revs actually recently. I have, but the revs we went to in Bristol was good. But yeah, it wasn't for New Year's though. That's true. You'd expect that. Anyway, extra revs was shit. Yeah. Uh, what? What? The only, the only fun thing that came of that was that me and Shep created a new game that you can play <laughs> while you while you're waiting to get served at the bar. It's called Recruit Spotting. Yeah. And um, you, it, I'll be honest, it's not a very hard game. Yeah, it's pretty fucking easy to play because you you can you can spot obviously that they're all blokes. They're all of the same or similar age. And if they're well built and got the same haircut, you kind of know they're, they're a recruit. Yeah, and they all also kind of wear the same kind of like oversized t-shirt aesthetic. Yeah, it's normally like a of... like a Dickies Carhartt Vans vibe. Yeah, bit oversized, paired with some denim jeans and like pair of Vans or Converse. Yeah, there tends to be a, a style that goes through the troop. So everyone is wearing a similar similar type of thing, uh, and. Y- and they're normally quite leery, so you can tell from that as well. Yeah. Um, which is quite funny. But yeah, Revs was pretty dead. We spent probably about forty minutes in there, didn't we? Got a few, <sighs> got a few bevs. Yeah, that was that was just more tactical drinking time. That was. Yeah, that exactly. they weren't enjoyable drinks. They just needed to, they nah, just needed to get down. They were uh, they were tied you over drinks, weren't they? So then we enlisted the help of some girls. Yeah. And we yeah. basically said, where should we go? That's good. Yeah. That, that, that was the extent of that conversation. Yeah. And they, they recommended two places, didn't they? Time, Peace and Fever. Yeah. And we went to Fever. Fever. Mm. I was almost sure from my experience that Time, Peace was not going to let us in because they seemed to only let students in. And if we'd already had the L with the gay club, we didn't want two L's. Because two L's, it doesn't make a right. That's, that <laughs> is pretty much night over then, yeah. isn't it? So, so we've gone to Fever, we get in, yeah, we, we enlisted the help of the girls to get in because we knew we needed some some support there. Yeah, so shout out to whoever they are. Yeah, yeah, not much of a shout out. <laughs> they ended up with the police. Half so, a shout out. So do that what you would. Yeah, so and I'll be honest, this is where my memory of the night starts to get a bit get a bit wavy. Yeah, this is true. This is the problem with this podcast is we we we, re, we sort of reviewing what happened when we were steaming steaming. So the memory might be a little bit patchy. So my standout memories of Fever, again, having heard things about this place, mm. it's one level split yeah. into two rooms. Yeah. There's like an indie room and what I would describe as a crackhead room <laughs> that like exclusively plays kind of like really like really like nitty like EDM tunes. Really over the top EDM Re- like, and, and like to the point where you can't even like dance to it. And, and you'd think given that that's the more hardcore taste that they'd put that room second and keep the indie room first as a bit of a palate cleanser when you get in there no, you have to no, go through you have to go through the crackheads to make it to the indie room which i think you know from a marketing perspective yeah, not not fantastic you could fantastic. get in there and then just about about turn and fuck off because yeah shit. um and that room by the way never really exceeded like 30 percent capacity did it? yeah pe- so it was pe- never busy enough the busiest that room got was when people from the indie room realized they needed a drink and then they just go next door because there was no queue at the bar. Yeah, I uh, caught on to that quite quickly. That that, that is a that is a tactic I deployed throughout the night. Yeah, I have I've quite a good skill for that. Um, but yeah, there's two rooms. We spent most of the time in the indie rooms. It was one busier and and two better. Um, so well, you say better. It was full of spotty fucking students, wasn't it? Yeah, but like the tunes were decent. Yeah, but I mean, best of a bad situation. Yeah, it was either that or basically like dodge syringes. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, we we chose chose the first option, uh, but it was it was pretty it was that was all right. I mean we were we were just like I say 
quite quite pissed by that point. Yeah, to be well, we bumped into some of the lads that were on Al's training team. So oh, that, yeah. that padded the night out quite a bit. Because yeah, we, we were talking to them and that kind of distracted me from the fact that I was basically surrounded by crackheads. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, it did for a little bit until one of them started to infiltrate our group. Yeah. There's four it, of us stood in like a, a square, just chatting, just and keeping ourselves to ourselves. Yeah. Like literally, we're away from everyone else at this point. We're near the bar, yeah. which is dead because no one, no one in that room's drinking because they're all on crack. Yeah, and this bloke who was like half homeless, half on crack, or yeah, both, and he he would just try and like infiltrate our group from every every angle. He like. Did, did like a, a petal so he came came into to yours came round came into me came, in, came round came into the other lad uh, and eventually like one of the lads we were with uh, so one of our training team was like oh was being mega polite with him when he was like yeah. oh mate you fucking you know you had enough right turn him round fucked him off and then he came back he did that a few times and he went through that a few times yeah and I, was lad, like, I was like you're barking at the wrong tree here mate yeah, yeah. this will end badly for you yeah. the other lad wasn't <laughs> Wasn't wasn't so nice and wasn't wasn't so patient. So he he just kept saying to me, he's like, if he comes fucking back again, I'm a fucking litherer. <laughs> I was like, right, yeah. So and then I I stepped to I'll be honest, mate. You don't you don't want. I'll, I'll be honest. When I was steaming, I wasn't against that idea. Yeah, neither was I. And uh, cause he was getting rather annoying. But the, the the bloke who said he would he would he was he would leather him was was nails as well. So, so, yeah, he was. So he would have leathered him. So I I, I turned him round and went, mate. This isn't worth it. So what? Why? Why? Right. And also, I track crackheads on a night out, so this is probably my mm. fault. Why don't they get the picture? I don't know. They how just keep how back. little like social kind of you know emo- emotional intelligence do you have to have? It's like a moth to a light bulb, isn't it? They can't. Keep, they can't stay away. And it's like the more you say no, the more they want it. Yeah, I know. It's mental. Just fuck off. I'm not playing hard to get, mate. Just fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna shaggy, man. <laughs> I'm not gonna buy you any crack. I will shaggy if you fuck off. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. So that would be pretty you, good. That so you bagged off a cracker, you know, <laughs> and you know that <laughs> that padded the night out, like you say. Um, and after that, I think like we oh well, we we had an Ida row with someone. I had a row with uh, a feminist in McDonald's. But make of that what you will. Yeah, that was amazing. Uh, we were just playing devil's advocate, really, and it, it went south. Yeah. In fact, no, no, no. In fact, no. They were being homophobic. That was after. Was it after? Yeah, that was after we'd already called them a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. I, I may or may not have called someone a cunt in McDonald's at this point. And then they were being homophobic, which I took issue with. Uh, and then I think I probably called them a cunt again. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that was kind of the end of our of our send in X. So like I say, I mean, not the best from an X to showing up point of view, but from 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 us making the best of a bad situation... I think we did alright. Which we have a track record of, by the yeah. way. Uh, so at this point, we finally get back to the digs at about four four a.m. Mm. And I, the next thing I know, I'm being woken up by a phone call. by a phone call from Al to say that they're outside at about nine a.m. Yeah. So I'd been passed out till then. So we had, we had to like quick... this this yeah this phone call literally woke us up. Yeah, we had a quick time in about ten minutes get all our stuff out of the room. I probably left something there. I don't know yet. Um, and hightail it downstairs, get meet them in the car because they had to take us back to Exmouth to to get my car to then us for for then us to drive three hours flat all the way back. Yeah, a massive hangover. That was a f- knowing four well because we literally left it to the wire. So we had a bottomless brunch in Birmingham, booked for the Saturday afternoon at three o'clock. Yeah. So we knew that we had to leave 
basically ours for two to get there for three. So we literally left it down to the, the wire, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, we had about 20 minutes when we came We had back. about 20 minutes leeway to play with. Uh, and when that's at the back of your mind on the M5, when you're hanging out your arse, it's not a great feeling. It's the last thing you want, really, is think about drinking again, isn't it? Yeah. Especially considering bottomless brunch, I want to be going in there with my best foot forward. I want to be, as much as possible, getting some Prosecco down me. But uh, when you think about that, when you've just kind of, I don't know, five hours earlier been smashing the gin, gin and lemonades, it's probably not, not ideal. Yeah. And like, like we like to do some fizz. Like we like to thrash ourselves when we hung over yeah. to, to shake it off. Yeah. And we didn't get the opportunity That's to do true. that. We didn't have time to do. No. That fucked me up. That so, like, so like you feel groggy because you've not flushed it out your system. Yeah. And then the only place we could get any scram was Greg's. And I was fucking like, just sent me in a, in further into a whole life. Like initially you feel better. But then when your body actually starts to digest it, it just doubles down on the hangover. Yeah, because it realises what, what you just put yeah, into the, the, this is shit. You just get error code in your colon, basically, because it's of no nutritional value. Yeah, so then we got back, anyway. Again, I had about 20 minutes to turn it round, uh, to unpack, shower, get changed again for another night out, and then go go again. Uh, but I was, still, I was still in quite good spirits here, because I know I've got a good send on, on the way. You, however, had gone a little bit south. Yeah, I'd, I'd seen red at this point. You hit the wall. <laughs> I had hit the wall. I'd soon resurrected myself as soon as like the first droplet of Prosecco hit my lips. But that, that Uber up to Birmingham was dark. Yeah, it was. I went, I went to a dark place. It's about a 40 minute Uber as well. So it's like, if, if you're feeling shit, it's the last place yeah, you want to be. This Uber driver was a fucking cunt as well. He was shit as he well. He was man. shit. The one, the one fucking, the one skill you need to have as an Uber driver is navigation. <laughs> I thought you said driving. And, yeah, yeah, well, not slightly more than that. You need to be able to drive and navigate. Yeah. He could barely do one of those things. Yeah. He took us the long way to Birmingham. And I know this while he's doing it, but you obviously can't tell the Uber driver how to drive because he'll just fucking chin you out of his car. Yeah, he'll just give you a shit review. So I'm, sat, I'm just sat there seething. Right. <laughs> in Birmingham, the sun's out. It's too hot in the Uber. <laughs> yeah, and then we got there and had to be... We, what did, we waited about 20 minutes before we had an, a, a, a first little drop of the good stuff. Yeah, again, the button factory in the jewellery quarter didn't paint themselves in a great light in my eyes. Yeah, and they are going to get shouted out. And they are going to get shouted out, and various hats that work there are also going to get shouted out for the wrong reasons. So, um, you've been to one bottomless brunch before, I haven't. I had no frame of reference. So my point of reference for bottomless brunch is Turtle Bay. Yeah. And which I can imagine is good. That's a, that's a bit like your first memory of football being a World Cup final because you set yourself up <laughs> yeah. to fail basically. And then going to a League Two game. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so, for anyone not in the know or doesn't frequent bottomless brunches, Turtle Bay in my eyes is like the goat yeah. of bottomless brunch. So you get like the the pick of cocktails. They're not like pigeonholing you to one drinking one thing. You get whatever you want on the menu. You know you can you can pretty much work your way through the cocktail menu. And if you get a sound waiter or waitress they'll just square you away so they'll let you double park like they'll basically they'll have a conveyor belt of cocktails coming for you you're never empty handed which is good because the whole idea of the bottomless brunch is you want to get leathered that it's bottomless my (laughs) issue with the button factory is they obviously took the fascist approach to bottomless brunch so the only drinks on offer were Prosecco which is shit because let's be honest no one likes Prosecco it's fucking shit white girls pretend they like Prosecco but they can't drink, so they wouldn't know what tastes good anyway. If you've got a fucking drink, a lot of something as well. The last thing you want is to be heavily carbonated. It's so acidic as yeah, well. Yeah, it's, it's horrible to so drink like, a lot of. We're hanging, right, having drank 
loads of booze the night before, like Jaeger bombs and stuff, like really acidic alcoholic yeah. drinks. Yeah. And now we're basically just lining our stomachs with fermented grape juice, <laughs> which is like ultra acidic. Yeah, exactly. So it wasn't pretty for, from a from a gut perspective, but um, we we, we powered through, and we got. I don't know, how many, how many do you reckon you had in that two hours, two hour period? I was trying my best to, to sink it. It's hard to gauge because my other issue with the button factory is that they served the Prosecco in what could only be described as a thimble. Yeah, this is true. It was, it was two decent gulps yeah, and then you're gone. And, and, you, and then you sat there waiting for five minutes. Yeah, because they, they don't leave the open bottle of Prosecco on the table. It has to be served to you by a hat. Yeah, so you take a lot of lot of deficit there. So you've got a lot, lot of dead time. So at one point, I actually tried to take matters into my own hand and just commandeer a bottle of Prosecco. Uh, you, got, you got a dirty look. And yeah, that didn't go down well. Yeah. So make of that what you will. Yeah, so not not great, but I mean, we again, the theme continues. We made the best of a bad situation. Yeah, okay. We were still smashed by the time, <laughs> we, time, yeah. time we left. So smashed, in fact, that some of the girls that were in our party uh, then had to start drinking water at the next venue that we went <laughs> to. Yeah. Which, again, I wasn't happy about, but we won't dwell on that. Yeah. Because, I mean, two hours into a sesh, you're on the waters. Yeah, two hours of bottom, bottomless thimble Prosecco. Uh, saw them off. Mm. So at this point, we're feeling pretty merry again. Yeah, yeah, back in. Now. It's about 4pm yeah. in central Birmingham. The sun's out. Summer vibes. Yeah. It's, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, well, we went, went to this place as well, on the, on the canal front. It's called the Canal House, canal isn't house, it? Yeah. Which we'd never been to before. Never heard of it. I'll be honest, I was dubious when it was suggested. Yeah. And then we got there and it was mint. It was class, wasn't it? So it was just exactly what you wanted. In the sun, busy, had some live music later on, um, decent drinks. It was literally just what you wanted. Yeah, on, on an afternoon. And as it says, it backs onto the canal, mm. which was just basking in, in the sun. It yeah. was class. It was mint. So we spent probably four hours there, didn't we? Yeah. Spent a long time. So like four till eight o'clock, we were just... Um, smashing beers in the in the uh, in the sun, and then we we moved on again. We moved on again, and at this point, just just check in with people on alcohol levels. I'm fucked at this point. You're fucked at this point. Oh, yeah. Our mate Al, who is obviously kind of like the main focal point of this weekend because he's passed out, has been getting drinks bought to him. Yeah. All afternoon, so he's really fucked at this point. He's ruined. He's ruined, again, which is a common theme. Yeah, yeah. But even by his own standards, he was pretty loose. Uh, so then, if you're familiar with Birmingham or Liverpool or Manchester, you'll be aware of the Albert Schloss venue, yeah. which has become a bit of a bit of a favourite of ours. It has, it has. Over the past year. So naturally, that's where we went next. Yeah, so we went to Albert Schloss, which is, if you've never been, it's the best way to describe it. It's like a, like a German-style bar, isn't it, where... It's a German beer house, that kind of also doubles up as like a bit of a live music venue in the evening. Yeah, so in the evening from about seven o'clock, every half hour they have a, a live sort of set on where they'll play not their own music, they'll play music you know. They'll play covers. Yeah, and then uh, and you show the dance floors open and all that sort of stuff. So it's pretty it's pretty good for, for where we are where we were in the night in terms of how pissed we were and the day we'd had. It was exactly where you wanted. Yeah, it's perfect. And like, for I don't know really why, but for for whatever reason in Birmingham, like people just seem to gravitate towards that venue, don't they? Yeah. Like it's, you can always guarantee that Albert Schloss will be live. Yeah, it was, and it was fucking rammed, wasn't it? And it's always fucking it rammed so on a Saturday busy. to the extent where like it's a good job. It's it's kind of perfect for day drinking because you have to kind of get there for about eight nine pm. Mm. Otherwise, you won't get in. Oh yeah, no chance. There's a massive queue by about. It, well, 
I don't know, about half an hour after you came, there was a mad queue. Yeah. Yeah, so we wouldn't have got in really if we went any later. Uh, so like you say, it's ideal for what we wanted. And this is where the night really starts to unravel. Because yeah. as you said, like this isn't a two-man send anymore, like Exeter. This is like all of our mates from home are out now. Yeah, so, so it's just drinks coming thick and fast. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a slippery slope. Yeah, I don't think I bought a drink, to be fair. I was getting getting, getting bought. I wasn't complaining. Um, so I was, yeah, I was fucking written up. So I was already in a bad way by the time we got there. Yeah, so like no one else that we were out with, obviously other than like Al and his sister, had drank the night before. No, true. So yeah. like... We topped you know, up. I, I, I don't want to say I'm a big deal, but, uh, but I am a big deal. Now, but if you've never drank two days in a row... Uh, you're a virgin yeah well that's, that's one thing but also <laughs> like the level of alcohol uh, that you have from the night before I feel like obviously you come down and you kind of sober up in the morning but if you then drink again you go straight back to the top of the mountain yeah and I'll be honest at the time you feel fucking great yeah it's it's the following day oh yeah when you feel shit well the hangover just stores up doesn't it and then it yeah. all hits you on that well, it's like what goes day. up must come down yeah exactly so you're so, just doubling down on how painful the hangover is going to yeah, be yeah but we, but we knew that and so uh, we made an informed decision to just continue to send it yeah so Albert Schloss delivered yeah, I would on. say yeah can't go into too much detail <laughs> yeah good to go but uh, good to go happy days at this point now I w- made what I would term a poor decision so, so something we'd spoken about beforehand whilst sober had now been fallen foul of when uh, when when peace. So this always happens, right? And you might not be aware of it if you're not familiar with Birmingham, but there is a venue in Birmingham called Snobs. And it's like the corny bit underage like indie nightclub. Yeah. On Smallbrook and Queensway. Again, always busy, but normally a bit shit. And it's normally a bit shit, but w- this always happens as right. I've lost count of the amount of times I've banned myself from this place. Not formally, but like you've just had a word with yourself in the mirror. Yeah, I'm never going there again. The amount of times I've been in Albert Schloss and it's reached about 11pm and I've then proceeded to return to Snobs is <laughs> yeah. also now unprecedented. I've done the same. I mean, it's just a natu- it feels like a natural progression. But the problem is, you're always going from a decent place to an hour shitter place. So your level of comparison is no good there. But you when need you, to go, you need to climb up the ladder. But when you're drunk, the grass is always green. No, I know exactly, but that's the problem. Yeah, this is you're the problem. You're not making the decision from a, from a level headspace. No, you're not. You're making the decision having drunk for like seven hours. Yeah. Yeah. So and I'll so be honest. There's only one, there's only one winner. I'll be honest. My decision making is not not the greatest. Yeah. When I'm sober. Well, that's true. There's only one winner there, and that's snobs. Yeah. So I went to snobs. You stayed in. Schloss, yeah, probably for the best. Yeah, probably. For I, the best. I, better, better decision. In fairness, I it wasn't my idea to go to snobs. You it was our, it, it was our mate yeah. who, who's a loose cannon. Yeah, true. But, you you but, went along with it, following the looseness. But I facilitated his desire, so I'm also guilty. <laughs> You're also at fault. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we, we sort of s- separated there, s- split split up, um, and then it gets to what time? Is it like three o'clock? This is like yeah. So we put in a decent session in snobs. Is it 3am? Regrettably. But I took... Again, I can't really remember what happens. Not really knowing where Eddie and that were, I just got to sort of the end of of my my night. I was getting a bit bored or whatever. I left. I had 4% battery left on my phone. I then... I feel a buzzing. It's Eddie. So I'm like, I pick it up. And he's like, mate, where are you? We're in a taxi. I was like, right, get him to hold it. Right, bear in mind, Snobs is a 14-minute walk. 
from. Yeah, it's like the best part of like a mile in it. Yeah, from... it's it's downhill, granted, True. but it, but it is quite and a fair job. That played into my that played into my hands. So as so I said, right, tell him to hold it. I'll be there in two minutes. Um, backing myself that I could I could run. This is this is like the last chopper at Saigon vibes now. Isn't yeah, it? Like, this is this is you making like the last helo Uber. Yeah, because it's the difference between a fifteen pound Uber and a fucking like fifty pound Uber, sixty pound. Yeah. So uh, I was high tailings. So I left left Schloss, picked up the pace, double time down to uh, down to Snobs. Everyone behind me was like, "Why are you running for?" I was like, "I've got a, I've got a train to catch." <laughs> I've got a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then so I fucked off. I, I made it. In figures few, and it's a good job as well because if I hadn't done so, I had no battery on my phone by that point. Yeah, you that was end game for you. You'd yeah, be fucked. I, I was I'm, gone. I'm kind of glad I had the foresight to ring you to see where yeah, you were. Yeah, because you had no, where, no idea. Because I, I, I thought you'd gone home. Yeah, I know. I just assumed because me and uh, Fell had been in snobs for so long that you would have just it was fucking. Quite late. Yeah, I, well, like you said, I just assumed you just got bored and you know made your own my own with like one of the other lads or something. Yeah, it was literally though. Uh, Uncanny the timing. You yeah. were in a taxi and I just fucking left. It was like this is this is made to be. Mad. So I sprint, uh, sprinted across Birmingham basically about four a.m. Yeah, and I'll be honest, the the Uber drive wasn't pretty. No, I fell, that, that, fell, I fell asleep. That yeah, that that's uh, that, yeah. that's when the hangover but, came to but came is, to the fore. This is why you've got to be competent with running, right? Because you never know when you have to pull it out of the bag. Yeah, true. I can, you know I can, when I'm pissed, I can back myself to do a seven minute mile. So. <laughs> When, when there's a fucking and you can take comfort from that exactly so when, when there's a taxi waiting I'm good to go mate mm. I'm fucking confident right anyway side note <laughs> come on yeah on a side note that's pretty much the end of the evening isn't yeah it? that was that That was the end end game for us and like you said waking up in the morning wasn't pretty because we'd had two nights on the bounce that was and no sleep fucking horrendous like we basically spent all Sunday walking yeah just it's the only thing that made me felt normal like you said though when we hung over we liked to do some fizz but because of how hungover we were, the levels, we couldn't bring ourselves to do anything really strenuous. <laughs> so the first thing we did was... <laughs> we, we did a bodyweight walk in the morning and then later in the day, we progressed to a weighted walk. Yeah, basically, yeah so didn't we? we did some progressive overload. So in total, we did like two hours of walking, to be fair. Um, and it did sort me out. So fresh air, the little bit of movement uh, and the ability to just like gob off for an hour, I guess. Yeah. Uh, really did square me away and then I just had some scram and, well, I think and went again. Like a decent brisk walk, like especially when the weather's nice in the summer, is a massively underrated hangover cure. Yeah, it is. And also, we then went to watch the football in uh, in a bar. Didn't have any drink, but we were just sat in like a dark, dingy room. <sighs> and 60 minutes in, you called it, didn't you? You're like, mate, I'm going to have to go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we were watching Arsenal. I mean, to be fair, we were watching a fucking pretty dismal Arsenal Arsenal, Arsenal display, yeah. but but even so, like just I don't know, I, I didn't think about like the atmosphere of like being in a boozer, the darkness, mm. like it just wasn't sitting right with me. Like I just had to remove myself from that situation. Yeah, <laughs> felt, but like, then grim. But then when you get out to, into the uh, fresh air again, you sound. So it kind of compounds our point that getting fresh air and sunlight when you're uh, hungover is is good to go. Yeah, hundred percent. But yeah. Pretty successful weekend, I'd say that. I pre- on the whole, I'd say we smashed it. Yeah, we did. That was, that, and that was not t- that it was about us, but <laughs> that, that, yeah. Again, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, he's not here. Uh, thanks for letting us be a part of your send. Yeah. Uh, so it was kind of came full circle from being a wholesome day to just being reprobates on the fist. 
Yeah, well, we, I think I think we ticked all boxes because obviously we got the wholesome stuff in yeah. with his family, and it was nice to you know spend time with them mm. and see obviously see all the other lads' families and stuff, and kind of just generally like soak up the wholesomeness of that. Yeah. But then we also got the kind of the grotty send in there as well, yeah, exactly. which again so, needs to happen. You got you, you got to wait. You've got to cover all, uh, all, all exactly. Demons. You've got to air, you've got to air some demons every now and then. Yeah, yeah, in one way or another. Um, yeah, so good weekend all round, but a bit heavy for me. I'm gonna have to lay off it for uh, for a bit. I'm not not advocating binge drinking, by the way. No, no, definitely not. But like, this is obviously this. You know, Al passing out is like three years in the making, isn't Special it? Special occasions, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I'm all for balance, so I'm not gonna be one of these fucking nauses right he tells you how bad alcohol is for you and never fucking drinks because that's just that's just again like we're on about with our carnival friend not very sustainable for most yeah people. exactly like let, let's be honest like we all like to have a celebrate yeah. you don't necessarily have to drink yeah. we like drinking well, like, like, but it's all about moderation isn't it well yes drinking every night is not good for you yeah. drinking every weekend is not good for you but once in a while to celebrate something nothing wrong with that yeah especially something worthy like that and again, unlike our friend the carnival hat, uh, I didn't order plain fucking patties from McDonald's at the yeah, end of the night. Exactly. Uh, what was it? He was saying um, he did another thing. Not to come back to him too much, but he did another thing about what he drinks and that on a night out. Oh well. yeah, he drinks the fucking most like vanilla, like repulsive drink. It's like slimline vodka water, isn't it? It's like vodka lime soda, uh, which yeah. is normally what birds drink. Who wanna like are on a cut basically? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who like don't consume any calories? The thing is, with this bloke, look, he's not even got a great rig. This this is this is one of my main points of contention with yeah. it because you can't. So at least like the Liver King has done <laughs> a load of steroids, so he's got a decent rig. Yeah. Like he won't be alive for very long, but at least he looks like he's got a decent rig. This bloke is just a hat. Yeah. Uh, a hat with a dead rig, and it's not even yeah, it's not even working for him. <laughs> no, no. What, what what are you preaching? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> yeah. So, sorry to come back to him, but but he's rent free. Yeah, exactly. As you can probably tell. Um, uh, so we we started dwelling on negativity there. So we yeah. we need to we need to bring it up with some uh, reasons back, to be cheerful to finish in. off. We've each got one this week, um, and they're both running related. Yeah, so to bring it back full full nose. Uh, do you want to go first? Yeah. So mine is Kevin Sinfield who is the England Rugby Union defence coach currently. Uh, and to be fair, this isn't this, he has done something recently, but he's been doing this for years. Like uh, He used to play rugby league for Leeds Rhinos with uh, a bloke called Rob Burrow, who got diagnosed with MND a few years ago, motor neurons disease. Uh, and ever since then, basically, he's just been fucking smashing out marathons, effectively raising money Smashed. for this charity. I think he's raised like over like eight million now that is mental mental for the motor neurons disease which obviously is a fucking horrible disease yeah, by the way absolutely horrible uh, so I think he did seven marathons in seven days at one point I think he ran from Murrayfield in Scotland up in Edinburgh mm. to Old Trafford fucking for like the Super League final or something that's yeah. mad mental basically he's a runner he's, like, he's fit as fuck which is admirable within itself yeah. you know to say that he's not playing anymore he's retired yeah yeah, yeah. yeah he's just a, co- he's a coach now just stick, stuck, stick to it stuck. but the fact he's putting himself in these places to raise money for a good cause is something I can definitely get behind uh, how much he's raised fucking 8 million is insane yeah so the reason I was 
uh, my attention was brought back to this. I've obviously been aware of it for a while because I'm a bit of a rugby nose. Uh, but yesterday he, they organised uh, a marathon in Leeds for Rob Burrow because that's where he's from. Uh, and at the finish, so he pushed, so Kevin pushed him round mm. in his uh, kind of like adapted wheelchair. Oh, sick. And then at the finish line, they stopped. Like they got him out and physically carried him over I the line. I did see this. Yeah, I saw that photo. Yeah, which was quite awesome. powerful. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so happy days. That's that's very wholesome. There you go. Uh, so yeah, mine's running related as well. Like I said. Um, so this Sunday, my man set a hundred k run ultra marathon record. So Alexander Sorokin, uh, don't know where he's from, but um, it sounds like it. Scandinavian vibes. He did. 100k run right in six hours and five minutes so I'll, I'll, I'll run I'll break this down a little wait, bit wait in how long six hours and five minutes right, right so bear in mind so, so some people run a marathon in that time exactly that so some people did the London marathon slower than that and that's less than half the distance which is ridiculous so I'll go through a little bit of the, the stats so average pace okay held 339 per kilometre and 553 per mile so bear in mind for our marathon, we, we consider ourselves quite fit. You held what, 8.15, whatever? 8, yeah, 10? I think so. I held a 7.57. So over two minutes per mile faster, again, for double the distance. Holding that, that, that means he's probably ran faster than that and had breaks and then ran, you know, ran faster because it's six hours. So <laughs> this, is, this is where he gets mad. So his 5K was 18.17. Right. His 10k was 36.33. His 10 miles, which we used to do in about an hour 20, right, was 56.20, under an hour. <laughs> his half marathon was 77 minutes. That's and, disgusting. And his full marathon was 2 hours and 34 minutes. <laughs> and then he, then he continued that and some. Uh, so two, two marathons is what, uh, 84k. So he did another 16k on top of that. I tell you what, fair play. That bloke is a freak. That is mental, isn't it? So, like to put some context on that, eighteen minute five k. My eighteen seventeen five k. My five k is a nineteen oh four. I've never, yeah. I was gonna say I've never run an eighteen minute five k. No, I've never run a thirty seven minute ten k. That's insane. That is, I don't even know what my ten k is. But again, my marathon was about an hour slower than that, and he's done two of them, and some, which is insane. Yeah. So well done to fucking. That guy who's absolutely blown the running world out of fucking He smashed proportion. that. These records just keep coming thick and faster, don't they? Like, the marathon time just keeps getting shaved down yeah, as well. Yeah, it's, it's the same as um, like back in the day when they used to have people, people used to say, yeah, no one's going to be able to break the four-minute mile, no one's going to be able to swim across the channel. Someone does it, and then before you know it, like more and more and more and more people start to, start to do it. Up until then, it's been a massive... Massive like, stone in the wall that like, no one's yeah. been able to do it. Um, like Roger Bannister, when he ran the four minute mile, everyone told him there's no way. Like people were telling him how impossible it was that the human body could go that fast because of oxygen turnover and cramping and all this sort of stuff. Uh, and he was like, right, okay, cool, well, I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and same with Eddie Kipchoge with his uh, two hour mar- marathon, which will probably get broken at some point. Yes. Well, the guy that ran, the guy that won the London marathon this year recorded the second ever. Fastest marathon time. Two oh one. Yeah, he was like, "Fuck it, what half a minute slower than Kipchoge?" Kipchoge. Yeah. There's nothing in that, is there? If you think about over twenty six miles. Yeah, like a second a mile. 
So that'll get. I reckon that re- that record will only stand. For he's lot, young as well. Yeah, like twenty one. I reckon that that Kipchoge's marathon record will only stand for like another year. If yeah. That. So the interesting thing about that um, that bloke Kelvin Kiptum he was, it's cool. Uh, is that his first half marathon was in about one oh one, right? His second half marathon was in about fifty eight minutes. Which is about two minutes behind the half marathon world record. That's mad. <laughs> it's fucking insane. Uh, yeah, so like you say, people just keep absolutely smashing these these records. Yeah. Which is cool. Love that. Anyway, so there's a few reasons to be cheerful if you're running noise anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, even if you can't, even if you're not, you can appreciate someone smashing it up. Yeah, that is mental. And that, that's a wrap for this episode. It is, indeed. What's next? Uh, it's it's another to. weekend recap next week. Okay. Yes. So we're in. We we won't dive into it too much. We want to be a surprise. As I look forward, we've got a event this weekend uh, that we're going down to, and the subsequent shenanigans will likely make for a good podcast episode. So we're gonna we're gonna say no more about that and come back to that next Monday. Yeah. So just look forward to some self reflection and some anecdotes next week. Exactly. Uh, and there might be a, a well, well-reported hat there, so that, that, that'll, <laughs> yeah. that'll be good for everyone to So know. that's got our helmet of the week squared away, and he, he could be the second person to be promoted to hat of the week, <laughs> yeah. but that remains to be seen. Exactly. Right, cool. Well, thanks for watching, um, and yeah, we'll see you next week for our another, another weekend recap. Yeah, see you in a bit. <laughs>